Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome back to the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Coming up in this episode, everyone's worried about the cost of heating this winter, and many businesses will be particularly badly hit. But can you turn off the heating at work to help keep costs under control? Plus, in 2021, nearly 200,000 workers had time off work due to back pain, resulting in reduced productivity and higher costs. What can you do to manage the situation in your workplace? You're listening to Tips and Advice for Business, the weekly podcast that trawls through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized advice and realistic solutions to everyday challenges. And all this in just a few short minutes, because we know that your time is precious. The Tips and Advice for Business podcast is freely available on all the usual platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon and Deezer and is brought to you by those ever so nice people at Indicator FL Memo. For supporting information, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk. Your host today is Duncan Callow, solicitor and publisher. Well, of course, every business is uh, getting increasingly worried about the um, rising energy costs which are coming down the pipeline to confront us all in the coming weeks. Um, Even here, we've noticed our electricity bill uh, increase fivefold over the course of the past month or so. So you're thinking about ways that you can manage the uh, your energy consumption. And one of those is possibly to leave the heating off or at least to turn it down in the coming months. Is this really feasible? And what options do you have to keep staff warm? Well, whilst the cost of energy is undoubtedly a big worry for many businesses, perhaps even the principal worry for many businesses, there's still a legal duty to maintain a reasonable temperature in the workplace. Now, the legislation, which is the Workplace Health, Safety and Welfare Regulations, 1992, actually set minimum temperatures of 16 degrees centigrade and 13 degrees centigrade for sedentary and physical workers, respectively. Now, these are actually quite low figures. If you try sitting at a desk for a couple of hours at 16 degrees, you'll know about it at the end of that period. It's it's quite cool. So, You've got a legal, legal obligation to heat your workplace, but there are other simple things you can do to reduce the amount of energy that you will consume over the coming weeks and months. For example, turn off heating in rooms that you're not using. Look, we know that some of these sound very obvious, but from our experience of dealing with businesses, often it's the most obvious ones that are overlooked. Also, turn down the heating by one degree. If that works, if staff don't Notice it or aren't too worried about it. See if you can go a bit lower. Adjust automatic thermostats to switch off an hour before closing time so the area is still warmed but cooling down before the last person leaves. Also, only turn on lights and equipment when you need them. Sounds obvious, but we see it all the time. Office space um, where lights are kept on overnight. Do a draft check. Drafts coming in and heat escaping out is an instant waste of energy and money. Now you need to communicate your concerns to staff. They will understand because obviously domestic properties are affected in just the same way. In effect, we're all in the same boat. So try and seek their cooperation in helping you 
such as by keeping doors shut, wearing suitable clothing to work, providing them with free or subsidised hot drinks, etc. These little things sound obvious, but are often overlooked by businesses and and, and generally cost very little, but can be really quite effective. What about those working from home? Well, of course, it's dependent on your policies as as to how you deal with the situation. You could encourage staff to come back into the workplace, give them heating bonuses to help with their bills, and encourage them to heat the person, not the house. You may well find, actually, as domestic heating bills rise significantly, that some people who've hitherto been reluctant to come back to the office are only too keen to come back because they won't have to worry about heating uh, their homes during the core working hours. So in summary, legal requirements mean that you cannot simply switch off the heating to save money. You've got to keep uh, a minimum temperature of 16 degrees centigrade or 13 degrees centigrade if your workers are active. But there are energy saving techniques which you can employ, such as turning the heating down by one degree, Uh, asking staff to wear appropriate clothing, providing them with hot meals and drinks, etc. Don't forget to consider your home workers too. You may well find that some of them want to come back into the workplace. Anyway, we hope you found this information helpful and best of luck in managing the situation during the cold winter months which lie ahead. So we're going to stick with the staff welfare theme uh, for a little while longer because you've noticed that over the course of the past year or so, quite a few of your employees have been taking time off with what they describe as lower back pain. In fact, it's a far from uncommon problem. And last year, 2021, nearly 190,000 workers had time off work to, uh, due to back pain alone. You want to do something to address this. So how can you... Uh, help lower the costs and improve productivity when it comes to work-related back pain. Well, firstly, you need to know what the causes are. And the main ones are muscle strain, which can be caused by sitting or standing in the same position for a long period of time, repetitive movements and constant strains and pulls through various activities, job-related stress, which may take a toll on a worker's back over time as muscle muscle tension uh, can be the result not taking sufficient breaks, and ignoring health issues. If you have staff with existing health risks such as weight, uh, being overweight, uh, and conditions like high blood pressure, taking on extra work-related duties may increase their back injury risk. It's important to avoid directly blaming the employee and saying it's their fault that they have a bad pack. After all, it can happen to any of us. Work with them to try to understand why they have not used equipment or failed to use the correct lifting technique. Find alternative methods for carrying out the task if you can. There's generally something you can do which will help negate the risk of a lower back injury. So what can you do to educate your staff and lower the risk in your workplace Well, we're going to start with the old chestnut risk assessment. Yes, you're probably sick of the phrase risk assessment, but in this situation, it really is the best way to predict the various factors that can lead to musculoskeletal disorders. It should consider task, individual, load, work environment, and anything else that's relevant. Next, you need to control the risks. So you use the findings of your risk assessment to put controls in place. These controls don't have to be costly or a big change and could include modifying equipment or making alterations to work practices. It might be that you ask two people to do a job rather than one. 
take a break. Ensure that rest breaks are taken to enhance the body's uh, recovery, thereby preventing fatigue and lowering the risk of back injury. Think about good ergonomics. Balance the requirements of the job and the capacity of the employee. This can be done by adapting the task to the person through design of the work or developing the capacity of the staff member through training and workplace adjustments. Do pay attention to posture. The way in which a worker performs a task can affect musculoskeletal disorders. For example, if a worker maintains a static posture and twists to pack, such as, for example, somebody working on a supermarket checkout, they are more likely to damage muscles than if they move their feet to position themselves. So once again, often it's small improvements that reduce the risk. Finally, don't forget to report these. Musculoskeletal disorders may be related to what workers do in their personal lives, which compounds issues at work. This is where awareness training comes in. Having workers who are aware of all uh, lower back injury hazards and risks and are healthier outside of work will be a benefit to you. Also, by reporting these injuries, you can spot trends. Um, and if it becomes obvious that a certain uh, work activity is leading to uh, start having a higher incidence of, of lower back pain, you can take the necessary steps to address it. So, in summary, given the prevalence of work-related back pain, Making prevention and early intervention measures, measures such as awareness part of your everyday health and safety management really does make good sense. Encourage staff to adopt good practices and report any issues as soon as possible. Just implementing incremental steps should help uh, address this issue and by talking to staff you, you should start to see an improvement in um, the number of days taken off to what I described or what is described as lower back pain. Anyway we hope we've helped you uh, with this situation and you found the advice uh, information but for now thank you for sharing your time with us and goodbye. You've been listening to the Tips and Advice for Business podcast. Every week we trawl through the latest business news, legislation and case law, distilling often complex legal and tax requirements into bite-sized tips, advice and solutions. For more information about our products and services, please visit indicator-flm.co.uk.